0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: The Telegraph. the Telegraph podcasts.
2: Everybody has it within themselves to be happy. I know if you're listening and you're like, no, not me, I feel too sad. I promise you, you do have it within yourself. You're stronger than you think. You've been through all the worst days in your life so far, so there's no reason why you can't continue to do that.
1: This week's guest on Mad World has lit up our TV screen since 2014 when we first got a glimpse of her in her family's living room on Channel 4's Gogglebox. Since then her infectious charm has meant she's appeared on a whole host of shows but being in the public eye hasn't always been easy on her mental health with her sadly having to deal with the trolling that so often comes with being in the spotlight. This Mental Health Awareness Week she's been announced as an ambassador for the Samaritans, an organisation that helped her when she felt she had nowhere else to go and I'm so proud of her for using her experience to help others. Let's welcome to Mad World Scarlett Moffat. Scarlett, welcome to Mad World. What a wonderful world to be in. Oh, well, it's the only world to be in, isn't it, if we're all truthful. (laughs) Now, the question I start each episode of Mad World with is, how are you really? How are you really, Scarlett?
2: I'm actually genuinely really happy, which almost makes me feel weird saying Mm-hmm. Because normally it, it isn't the case. I think um, it's took me quite a long time to sort of not feel guilty about being okay.
1: <laughs> why? Why do you think that is? Because I personally have this thing where if someone asks me how I am, and I if I'm really happy, if I'm genuinely happy, and I own up to it, I become convinced that something terrible is going to happen. Like I'm going to curse it.
2: Yeah. So this is why. So I am. Um, love mad girl so much your book because I really really related to it because even as a kid I would often get myself really worked up and think right if I walk up every step by two and it's an even number at the end it's going to be a good day yeah and I still sort of have that so Manifestation for me is a nightmare because I think, no, if I wish that it comes true, then it's probably not and then something bad's gonna happen and so yeah it, it, it feels weird saying I'm just really happy I'm almost always on edge of waiting for something bad to happen oh, bless <laughs> you. which sounds bad but no I think
1: there's gonna be a lot of people <laughs> listening who will relate to that you know it's so fascinating that having grown up and thought my whole life that I was so weird because I'd have to say like a phrase to keep my family alive and that if I didn't walk in a certain way or if I dropped something on the floor and and I didn't pick it up in a certain way, the whole world was going to collapse. And of course, now, saying that out loud, I've taken the power out of it. But for a long time, I really couldn't. And it's really interesting to me how after writing Mad Girl and then starting this podcast and talking about it so much, how almost everybody comes to me and tells me that they have some of those characteristics and qualities and elements of obsessive compulsive disorder And you realise, and I guess that's why I started this podcast and why I do everything I do, is because you realise how normal it is to feel weird, you know, and it's why conversations like this are great. And we're speaking on the first day of Mental Health Awareness Week 2021. But Scarlett, I've wanted to get you on for ages anyway. Oh, and our diaries, that makes us sound like so Hollywood, doesn't it?
2: Our diaries. We a... sound so fancy, don't we? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well,
1: my people were talking to your people. <laughs> but this is the perfect like moment because today you have been announced as an ambassador for the Samaritans.
2: Yes, which i I mean, I'm probably just going to spend the whole day crying because I'm so happy because it just feels like I've went full circle. Like, I can't believe that I am now an ambassador for the charity that helped me. Mm-hmm. It, like, if someone was to say four and a half years ago, or oh, you would be helping other people, I don't think I would have felt like I had the strength. But I, yeah, I went through a, a bad time about four and a half years ago. And I, I'm always the jolly one of the family. So I didn't want to burden anyone. I, I felt like if I spoke to my mum and dad about feeling sad, then that would make them sad, then I'd feel more guilty. And also, I just went through a wonderful time where I'd won I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and I was getting really cool roles on the TV. So I felt like I didn't have a right to be sad. I thought, "I I can't tell anyone I'm sad because on the outside looking in, everyone thought I was living my best life. So... Yeah, I remember the first day that I called Samaritans. I mean, I must have rang about 20 times and hung up quickly because I felt really anxious. And then, mm. yeah, I spoke to this wonderful woman and it was the first time in about two weeks I'd slept properly. And I was like, wow, that really helped because I slept that night after I'd offloaded. It was like a little voice of hope and reassurance that there was light at the end of the tunnel. And I remember ringing them the next morning as soon as I woke up which gave me the courage to like speak to my family and friends and my GP. And so after about a year of speaking to Samaritans, I then started feeling better and happy. And and so I, I reached out to them and just said, look, you've helped me in so many ways. I don't know where I would be without you. Can I please do something to help you? And then this relationship with Samaritans started. And yeah, then the ambassador role came up and, I hope that people can see that there really is light at the end of the tunnel, that it can come full circle. And yeah, before you know it, you can be helping other people because I know myself, when you've felt sad like this, you don't want anyone else to ever feel the same way as you. So Mm. I just really hope that it helps people.
1: So let's, if you don't mind, because I know it can be really hard talking about this stuff again and from personal experience, having to bring it up, it can also... You sort of feel weirdly disassociated from it, but yeah, if it's okay, can we talk a bit about how you felt four and a half years ago? I always feel weird asking why, why were you sad because sometimes there isn't a reason, sometimes people are just sad. But can you sort of talk through how you felt, how it manifested itself, and what was going on in your life at the time?
2: Yeah, also, apologies if I do start crying because even though I, I am like so much better now it's it's still it still feels raw. this is this is almost like therapy talking about it I feel because sometimes I do hold in a little bit and I'll just be brief and I'll say I once was sad but I'm not sad anymore and that's it
1: um, you don't have to apologize for crying on this podcast by the way this is this is <laughs> no honestly I cry on almost every episode and so like joking aside honestly please feel safe to say what you need to say and do what you need to do
2: well, I I think looking back, I've actually always suffered with anxiety. But I was a 90s kid. I don't think it was really a thing back then. As in, nobody openly spoke about it. I never had like a mental health chat at school. But I got really badly bullied as a kid. I smashed my front teeth in a bike accident when I was about 11 and the trauma from that, I, I got Bell's palsy, so I wasn't the best looking kid in the school. <laughs> when I look back on photos now, I'm like, all ah, right, right, okay, I can, I can sort of see why I was an easy target. Um, and I think from there stems sort of like a deep rooted issue with self confidence. And I did dancing growing up, and my weight would fluctuate. I would be super into fitness. And sort of associated fitness at the time with like not eating a lot. Mm-hmm. And then and then I'd sort of just give up on that and then would eat too much. There was sort of no in-between for us. And I and I think that's that's always sort of been in the back of my mind. So I was quite a like a vulnerable person anyway. So then when I started doing goggle box, which came from doing a favour to a friend, um I was sort of catapulted into this world where for a while I hadn't been subject to bullying and then all of a sudden I was because trolling became a thing. Mm. And and when I did The Jungle, which was honestly one of the greatest times of my life, and then I finally felt accepted because, you know, I'd won this huge show, which meant people loved me for me and all of my weirdness. Um, but I just wasn't prepared for... The opinions of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was only like 24. Yeah. And it just, it just was, it was just really hard. I remember getting the NTA gig where I was presenting backstage. And I remember checking my phone and I was on like the Daily Mail's, basically what I was wearing, the Slated. So that
1: quickly. So you would literally been on the red carpet or whatever it is and then immediately the feedback is there and it's not nice.
2: Yeah, I was like, because I, I mean, I've never been to a red carpet event in all fairness and I did just wear a little suit from Topshop but I absolutely loved it and I, I, I felt like a million dollars. My dad was my date on the red carpet and I remember him strutting down in his little tux and... Honestly, I felt I felt the bees' knees. Like I felt so fancy. But you
1: but listen,
2: it <laughs> doesn't matter what you wear. You could turn up in a
1: bin bag if you wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like you have the right to <laughs> yeah. wear whatever you want. And God just just uh, makes me so angry. Anyway, carry on. Carry on. Sorry, darling.
2: <laughs> That's okay. It makes me angry too, because it's still happening. Yeah, so I, I remember that sort of took took the shine away because it was my first ever presenting role. But all people seemed to care about was my little pink suit that I was wearing. And then I kept getting loads of hate about my nose, which is going to sound ridiculous because people will be like, well, it's just a nose. When I tell you my nose was literally the only thing that I ever liked about myself. It was the one thing that I always would think, do you know I'm obsessed with Disney princesses. And my dad always was like, oh, you've got a cute little Disney princess nose. And it was something that whenever I looked in the mirror, I'd always like about myself. And all of a sudden I started getting trolled and loads of articles started saying, rhinoplasty surgeons say Scarlett's gone too far. You know, she's going the same way as Michael Jackson. She's had too much surgery. And I just remember thinking, this, this is the, the nose that I was born with. And so, even if I had had surgery, like, that would have been my choice anyway. But I was like, this is my actual nose on my face. And I remember I was meant to do a bit of telly and I, I, I couldn't do it. And I remember spending the whole day that I was meant to be filming, Googling and researching, trying to get surgery to make my nose bigger. Because I just was... It was just it was just constant hate all the time. And I remember calling my friend Emma Royd, who's a drag queen, <laughs> um, and ringing Emma and saying, how can I contour my nose to look bigger? And I remember her showing me, like, how to make my nose look... Like, and all the time, I, const- I didn't want to leave the house because, you know, like, I'd get popped and it would just... It would, was awful. I was living down London by myself trying to sort of pursue this TV career. And I just felt so isolated and at the time I felt like I didn't quite fit in anywhere. I felt like I didn't fit in with my old friends at home because all of a sudden I wasn't doing a nine till five and and I was doing really, really wonderful things that you know I, I didn't even dare say, oh, I've had a good day. I've I don't know, met Tom Hardy today because I didn't want to look like I was bragging. (laughs) But then I didn't really have any friends in London. So I just sort of exist. I, I felt like I existed for a while. I felt really sad. I thought, wow, this is an absolute dream and it's turning into a nightmare. And I just didn't dare tell any of my family and friends because they just thought I was so happy and they were so happy that I was. And for me, like a really sort of the weeks leading up to when I called Samaritans was my nanny my little nan called me because there was some awful stuff in the in the paper and, and online and she'd made the mistake of reading the comments I think she thought it was like Facebook mm-hmm. she didn't realize that you never read the comments and she rang me crying and um and like she's my nan and it just felt I, and like, I just remember pretending like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But really, I just wanted to be like, oh, nanny, this is awful. I just want to come home and I just want to disappear for a while and until it all blows over. And I pretended that I was at work for about a week and I just didn't come out my house. I just, I just was like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Um, and then, And then that's when I I finally thought, I can't keep doing this. I just need to offload and, sorry, I'm crying already. Um, (laughs) Don't apologise. And and I called the Samaritans. Honestly, I just, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't called them. And the woman on the other end of the phone made me feel like so brave. I remember coming off the call and just thinking, wow, like, actually, I am quite brave for doing that because it's, It's hard, like, I think that's actually the hardest step, that first admitting that you feel sad. I think that's the hardest part. And one thing that I would, like, urge people to do, and I wish that I'd done this, is not wait for it to get to the point where I felt like I wanted to disappear. Mm -hmm. The first sort of worries that you have, the first time that you feel sad or lonely or, or worried, talk to someone, give someone a call, reach out, email the Samaritans. Like there's so many people out there that want to help you. And honestly, like I'm apologizing for crime, but you're right, you should never apologize for feeling sad or for feeling a certain way. Cause if anything, it's more of a burden for you. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's it's mm. it's hard for yourself. So I suppose yeah, we shouldn't really apologize. But I think I think we are still a little bit guilty of that. <laughs> it's so conditioned into us, isn't it? Which is
1: yeah. why this is so brilliant to have conversations like this and I you know what the Samaritans do is incredible and I in my last book which was all about what I'd learned about being mentally well from being mentally ill we did a whole section on how to access mental health help because all we hear about is how bad the provision is in this country but we don't hear about what is actually available you know and of course the Samaritans are one of the things that are available but I really wanted to go behind the the mystery of what Uh, calling the Samaritans is like because of course you mentioned calling multiple times and hanging up feeling anxious and nervous so this is amazing to hear can you talk through you know for anyone listening now who is struggling and thinks they need to make that call what is it like because obviously everyone who calls remains anonymous the person you're calling has no idea where you are so it's it's not going to show up on your phone bill so there's all of that to kind of say, but tell me as well what a kind of comfort it is and what to expect when you call.
2: It's just, honestly, it's it just feels like hope. Y- you call and it's so lovely talking to a stranger. It's almost easier sometimes because they don't know your backstory. There's absolutely no judgment. And a lot of the time when I called, I sort of answered my own questions. It's like a time to block out all of the outside noise and to just be heard and to offload. And it's just so nice having someone who's listening. I mean, I I, I gave a fake name. I remember ringing and panicking and saying that, my name was Charlotte Muffin, which now, which now actually I makes me laugh. Should, I think you should use that as a performance. Name. <laughs> Charlotte Muffin. Because <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I don't even know why I gave a surname. It's not like they were like, what's your full what's your name? I was like, I'm Charlotte Muffin. <laughs> uh, and I just remember saying, I, I, I just feel like I want to disappear for a while. It's not that I don't ever want to be here again, but I just, I just, I just want to disappear for a while. And the woman was just wonder even though it was four and a bit years ago, I can still sort of remember like the tone of her voice and everything. Like, I, I still, and yeah, honestly, like, if you ever feel like that, just. And like I said, the big thing for Samaritans is, is they don't want everybody to wait until it's that pinnacle moment of, you know, all hope is lost. They are a suicide prevention line, but they're there if you have financial worries, you, you know, you're feeling a little bit sad, you're feeling lonely and you just want to chat. Honestly, they're there for you. And it is just wonderful speaking to a stranger. You do just, it's just, it's somebody to listen and you you sort of, Lose yourself and you don't feel like there's any judgment. Mm. I think that's that's what was hard for me at first about speaking to my mum and dad, like, because I'm really close to my family, but it was like, will they think that they've played a part in this? Will they think that they haven't done a good enough job? So speaking to a stranger was helpful for me because, you know, no one was feeling, not that your family do feel bad or, you know, they, they want you to just feel happy but I just felt like no one was getting hurt by me calling Samaritans and and that's why yeah I did ring them a lot I did really ring them a lot. Did they become like your sort of rock and anchor
1: really at that period?
2: They really they really did that I mean honestly it was like having It was like having a a best friend that just, but obviously you're not ever going to meet them or anything. But I just remember calling up and just, and honestly by the end of it, feeling like that person is my best friend now because they've helped me so much. And yeah, like I say, when you call so much, you do sort of answer your own questions because they just allow you a space to talk.
1: So the the key thing to remember about the Samaritans I guess is that they're not there to offer advice or anything like that but they listen and like you say allows process and they can also um, signpost you to different services can't they that you might need.
2: Yeah so um, Danny here we did like a little piece for BBC Breakfast and He's now been sober twelve months, but he actually emailed because he he said he just couldn't find the words to say. He found it easier writing.
1: So this is another this is another person who called the Samaritans who you've spoken to. So he's called Danny. So you can you can email the Samaritans. You don't have to call.
2: Yeah, you can email. He just found it easier to to email to put it in words, and he said he hovered around the send button a few times as well. But yeah, he they helped him find the help that he needed to get sober. And yeah, he's been sober for twelve months and he's he's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so he's so amazing. And another one of my now friends who I speak to like daily on Instagram is a woman called Lisa, and um she is a volunteer for Samaritans now, and she actually had a really bad stammer and um she doesn't mind me sharing a story I asked her this. And she had a, a really bad divorce and her little one was about nine at the time and her and her daughter went on a bus and she couldn't get the words out to say where she wanted a bus ticket to. And she remembers a couple of people in the in the line uh, laughing and the bus driver telling her to get off. Mm-hmm. And she said she remembers sitting at the bus stand crying and thinking, if I can't even get on a bus, how am I going to look after my little one? And she she emailed the Samaritans, actually, and got help, got signposted to help with her stammer. And yet now, you know, she volunteers to speak on the phone to other people to help them, which I think is just wonderful. And she's just a beautiful soul who who helps people. And for anybody who does want to volunteer... I just think that you're all angels because it sounds like such a lovely little support network where there's normally just two people in an office and they have little cups of tea and chats and and help people. And I just think, you know, if you've got spare time, I, I can't think of anything I can't think of anything better to do.
1: Would you perhaps think about volunteering? Oh knowing what a good word I do? would
2: absolutely love that. I would I just think I think again, like just to know that you've you've helped somebody and that because you know, once you once you've felt sadness, you just don't want anyone else to ever feel that sadness. So think in any way that you can help. Yeah, I would love that. I would love to volunteer. yeah.
1: I wanna ask you because listening, oh, that thing you said about just wanting to disappear for a while, like, oh, that landed. Like, sometimes that feeling of just, just wanting to shut the door on the world, you know, yeah. and just be left alone. Um, whew, that really landed. And um, I wanted to know, like, because I, I do think... Sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional. No, that's the, um the thing that you describe—you know, you're bullied as a child—and lots of us, for various reasons, don't have much self-esteem. And then you're catapulted into this world where, ostensibly, you think, "Oh, great! This is a way to get validation. Like I could—you know what I mean? Like I've won, I'm a celebrity." And and yet, there is such a toxicity to a lot of modern culture and, and the sort of media that we consume. So a lot of social media some of the mainstream media as you pointed to and you know you mentioned that you shouldn't read comments but they're there you know it's like yeah. it feels to me like there needs to be more done to kind of combat this you know and whenever we start to talk about that people go oh, oh, oh free speech and i'm like no this isn't about stifling free speech it's it's about <laughs> stopping us just spewing toxicity and harming people do you know what i mean because because actually it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts everyone who is subjected to it. All of us who consume it and who see it and watch it, it gets into our minds and we get stuck there. You know, it's not good for anyone living like this. Sorry, I've got on a bit
2: of a no, that you, honestly, you're so right. Like, I just wish, because a big thing for me, one thing that I get a lot is um, people think that because I have agreed to be in this crazy world that is the public eye that I am allowed to be subjected to all of that projection of hate it's almost as if it's like well you've chose this Mm. well I didn't actually because I didn't know that this would happen and if this was any other job you know I mean, I think something would be done. I'm pretty sure I'd be able to contact my union or... (laughs) Scarlett, how old were you when you started on Gogglebox? I just... It was literally a couple of weeks after my 23rd birthday.
1: Okay. So, but also, you know, the point of Gogglebox is it's, it's people not in the public eye it's normal people like all of us sitting at home watching telly so you know in my mind it's almost the antithesis of being in the pub do you know what I mean it's sort of like this is what you Scarlett are all of us you know you and your family and everyone on And um, it was why when I was watching it the other day and I can't remember her name, but the woman who had her line of duty notebook and she'd been been making, you know, yeah, Jenny. And then she just ripped it up, you know, and I was like, yes, Jenny, you are all of us. (laughs) We all felt like that. This is why Gogglebox is so brilliant, because it's all of us. It's us watching us watching the telling, right? But, you know, like you say, it's a much bigger thing because we know that it isn't just high-profile people such as yourself who are receiving this abuse. We know that it permeates into every area of society. We know that kids are being bullied at school. We know that people are using comments on TikTok, Instagram, whatever, to be horrible and troll each other. So it's not, you know, what we see with you, Scarlett, is only symptomatic of something that's going on everywhere,
2: right? Yeah, and this is what I... See, I have a different approach to to trolls. Anybody who's been subject to hate online, I just want a hug. But anybody who also has projected that hate, I also want a hug because I actually hate the word trolls because it makes it feel like it's this mythical creature that lives under a bridge. And it's not. It's it's somebody that you could be walking past in the street. It's your neighbor. And I often send the number of Samaritans to trolls because I just think if you're projecting that much hate onto the world, you're not happy yourself. And it actually makes me feel really sad because I think I've never been in a place where I felt that angry that I need to let somebody know, you know, that um the way they look offends me or that I don't like how much they weigh. So I just, I really actually feel or these trolls, because that's what people need to remember as well when they're subject to this hate, that that person is also unwell. That person is sad and really hurting inside. And I think if we, you know, can teach mental health in school and start from such a young age that hopefully people will just speak out and be able to not feel so sad and not want to project the hate because. I can guarantee when I speak to a lot of people who've trolled me and I say, like, are you okay? Like, why are you doing this? A lot of them, I would say 98% of them want to be part of a community because they feel lonely. And the only way that they know how they're going to get reactions or attention or sort of form a community is through projecting hate and then other people can join on the hate and they feel like they're part of something. And I just want, like... You don't have to be part of that. There's mm. there's so much love out there, and I just it's easy to say when you're feeling strong and you've got a good support network. Ignore the trolls, ignore the hate. But honestly, just take a little step back, try and focus on the positive, and really go. But how are they feeling? Don't let them upset you because also they're feeling a certain way. Yeah. It ju- I just honestly, I just I just wish. I could set up like a little troll program and be like, come and join my club. You don't have to be a troll. We can spread love. You
1: should. Well, let's do, <laughs> let's, it. Do, let's it. do it. Let's do it. Let's
2: start A little troll let's club. Let's Right. Okay. Everyone, people that think that they want
1: to be trolls, they should come and be with us yes. and be, I don't know. They might need to work. We yeah. Might, we might need to work yeah, on we'll this. Yeah, we'll work this. on it. <laughs> We'll think about it. We'll think about it. we'll come up with a good model. But we can all be in the you know, come out from under the bridge. Yes. Come stand on the bridge with us. We can all be together. We
2: can call them polishers because my dad always says bullies are like sandpaper. The more they wear you down, the more polished you become. Oh can be polishers. I
1: love it! <laughs> Oh, I love you. I love your dad. Now listen, dad, I love you what too. I want to know is, how do you protect your mental health now? Four and a half years on, after that call to the Samaritans, what are the daily things you do to keep yourself well, or as well as we can be? Because we know that life is life and it's very to us and we have to deal with it.
2: Well, I've actually took a leaf out of your book, and a big thing for me at the minute is is walking. Ah. I know you actually... I haven't got to the running point yet. If anything, it's a slow jog. <laughs> wow,
1: that's what I
2: but, am. Um, I'm absolutely loving walking.
1: Will you come and do some work with Mental Health Mates as well,
2: which is my walking group for mental health. Yes. Uh, I'll get in touch with you afterwards. On, on Instagram, I've seen them. They're wonderful. But walking is... So, like. Even even in the rain, I just feel like when you get outside and you can take a deep breath of fresh air. And sometimes I'll, if I if I start to feel a bit like anxious and I start overthinking, I've got a little uh, I've got a little chihuahua called Bonnie, and I'll be like, "Come on, Bonnie!" And it'll start by I'll think I'll just go for a five minute walk, and then all of a sudden it's been an hour. Yeah. <laughs> because I just love it. And actually, Samaritans are doing this great campaign in June called Samarathon, where for the whole of June you can either walk a marathon like over the whole of the month, or you could do five marathons if you want. It's up to you. How many how many of you fancy you're doing, Starlet? I think I'll walk I'll walk one. <laughs> I'll come and do a bit with you. Thank you. I would love that. I just think yeah. it's a nice it's it's a nice way to well, it does help clear your head, but it's a good way for mm. them as well to raise money because, obviously, because of COVID, like every charity suffered because all of the campaignings just stopped. Oh, in. so sad. But yeah, I definitely would say I go for walks. I I force myself, which is you're going to be like, this sounds strange. but I force myself to call my friends mm. because no, it doesn't sound weirdly, strange. I've <laughs> I found that um. The thing that makes me happiest is being around loved ones. So for some strange reason, my brain, when I'm feeling really sad, hits the self-destruct button and goes, I know what will help. Not speaking to anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't speak to anyone. Make yourself even sadder. So now, because I I got CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, which is wonderful. It's a great way to help like reprogram your brain. And so now, as soon as I get those thoughts, I call my friends. I Facetime them, and we have a little cup of tea over over Facetime, or I send a text because I think otherwise the longer I leave it, that becomes then a pattern yeah. of sort of isolation, which I've broke now. I'm not saying that I'm I'm perfect and that I, I don't ever have bad days because, I mean, of course I do, life happens, but I've definitely got better coping mechanisms. And that's the thing, like, everybody has it within themselves to be happy. I promise you, I know if you're listening and, and you're like, no, not me, I feel too sad. I promise you. Like you do have it within yourself and you deserve it. Like you're so wonderful. You are enough. You're stronger than you think. You've been through all the worst days in your life so far. So there's no reason why you can't continue to do that. And yeah, I just I just I just don't want anyone to feel sad anymore. Oh Scarla. I just really don't. Sculma, that is that's <laughs> so beautiful. And I kind of feel like that's a
1: great way to end. Like that's the thing I wanna pull out and i guess if you do feel sad you can contact the samaritans by calling 116 that's 116 and it's free and it won't show up on your bill and it's completely confidential or you can write them an email to joe at samaritans.org that's joe at samaritans.org and they will respond within 24 hours again it's all confidential it's fantastic and the website is Samaritans.org. Scarlett, you are a legend. Thank you. So are you. It's been so nice chatting <laughs> to you. You are a joy. And I'm I'm so sorry you went through that period, but I'm so glad that, as you say, it is an extraordinarily brave thing to do to pick up the phone and tell someone how you're feeling and open yourself up to that. It really
2: it, like. And that's
1: the start, that's the beginning of everything else, isn't
2: it? That's the hardest step. Sort of plain sailing from there. Because you realise that there's light at the end of the tunnel. I just hope that people can see, like, that they're not alone. Because that, that's what I love about your books. Whenever I read your books, I just it just made me feel like all of my thoughts were validated and that I wasn't by myself. So thank you, honestly, because your book really, really helped, honestly. Well, thank you. That's why I wrote them. Because,
1: like, I want to meet other people like me and you're like me. And then I realise I'm not mad or I am mad. And that's okay. but I'm not bad. Yeah? Yes. That's what, you know, it's okay to be mad. (laughs) Join us in our mad world on our bridge. Arms out for the polishers. (laughs) Oh, there's all sorts of metaphors I'm speaking in now. (laughs) Scarlett, thank
2: you so much for coming on Mad World. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you.
1: Before you go, please follow Mad World on your podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you feel like it, leave us a rating and a review. I love to read what you think about the shows and also see your guest suggestions. Mad World is all about helping our listeners and I love hearing from you. The Telegraph also let me loose in column form, so if you'd like to hear even more from me, head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash madworld and you can get your first 30 days access to the website completely free. If you've been affected by anything we've talked about in our podcast today, the following organisations offer free and confidential support over the phone. The Samaritans can be reached 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on 116 123. Or you can contact the mental health charity Mind for advice on a range of mental health issues. Their phone number is 0300 123 3393. That's 0300 123 3393. They're accessible 9am to 5pm, Monday to Friday, excluding bank holidays. There's also Young Minds who provide support if you're a parent or a carer worried about a child's welfare. They're on 0808 802 5544. That's 0808 802 5544. If you prefer text support, Shout is a 24-7 UK crisis text service available for times when people feel they need immediate support. By texting Shout to 85258, you will be put in touch with a trained crisis volunteer who will chat to you via text. And importantly, please remember this.